When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In this video, I'm going to be telling you about four of the most shocking revenge stories that have ever happened. All four stories that you're about to hear are not just completely true, but they're also some of the darkest revenge stories I've ever heard. Buford Pusser, the cop who took out mobsters to avenge his wife. The first real revenge story I'm bringing you guys today involves a sheriff turned vigilante after his wife was killed in a shooting by southern mobsters. His name was Buford Pusser, and his righteous journey to avenge his wife was later adapted numerous times, including the movie Walking Tall, which featured The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. For most of his life, Pusser made his career in public service. Before he was a police officer, he served as a Marine, who later enjoyed a brief stint as a popular wrestler in Chicago. His tall frame and large build earned him the nickname Buford the Bull in the ring. In Chicago, he met his future wife, Pauline, and they got married two years later. The couple moved to Pusser's hometown in McNary County, Tennessee, where Pusser quickly rose through the ranks of local law enforcement. He was elected chief of police and constable, and later he was elected county sheriff at just 27 years old, making him the youngest sheriff ever elected in Tennessee history. This guy was fearless, and he wasted no time cracking down on mafia activity, concentrating on the state border between Tennessee and Mississippi, which was controlled by two separate gangs the Dixie Mafia, and the State Line Mob. The mob gangs made a lot of money off their illegal production of moonshine, so Pusser's crackdown was obviously not appreciated. By 1967, Pusser had survived countless assassination attempts, killing several of the hitmen who tried to take him out. He was a local hero to the public, but he became a prime target for the increasingly desperate mob. Things changed forever on August the 12th, 1967, when his wife, Pauline, decided on a whim to accompany him to investigate a roadside disturbance. A car pulled up alongside theirs and suddenly opened fire. Pusser suffered a severe injury to his jaw, but survived. His wife, however, was killed. Stricken with the guilt over his wife's death at the hands of a mob hit, Pusser was most likely the only intended target, Pusser cracked down on crime even harder than before. He publicly named his four assassins and Kirksey McCord Nix Jr., the leader of the Dixie Mafia, as the mastermind behind the hit that killed his wife. Although Nix never saw justice for Pauline Pusser's murder, though he was later sentenced to life in prison for ordering the murder of a Mississippi Circuit Court judge, the other assassins involved in the murder of Pusser's wife mysteriously dropped dead one by one. Rumors circulated that Pusser had organized hits on the mafia members to avenge his wife, but because there was no evidence to tie him to the deaths personally, and possibly because nobody was going to prosecute Pusser for avenging his murdered wife, Pusser was never charged for the killings. And there we go. That is the first real revenge story of today's video. Imagine the guilt that this cop must have felt. My God, that is horrible. Like his work is so dangerous anyway, obviously. And the one time that his wife comes along with him, just killed, 
Jeez. Having to live with that for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'd probably end up killing some monsters as well. Not gonna lie. And now for our second real tale of revenge. Joaquin Marietta, the Mexican Robin Hood who inspired Zorro. If you're familiar with the famous story of Zorro, the name Joaquin Marietta might ring a bell. Indeed, Murrieta's alter ego might be more popular than the man himself, but this true revenge story has certainly stood the test of time. Joaquin Murrieta was born in northwestern Mexico in the state of Sonora around 1829. During the California Gold Rush, Murrieta and his wife set up a small home in the hills of California, and Murrieta spent his days panning for gold. By 1850, he was a successful prospector, despite the competition from the growing number of Americans who had also traveled to the formerly Mexican territory. Inevitably, clashes soon erupted between the Mexican and American prospectors over the area's gold deposits. During one particularly brutal conflict, Murrieta's wife was R-worded and murdered right in front of him. Even after the now widowed Murrieta quit mining and settled into life as a car dealer, he continued to endure the often violent racism of white men. When a mob accused him of stealing a horse that Murrieta had borrowed from his half-sibling, they lynched both Murrieta and Murrieta's brother for the alleged offense. Now, the ordeal killed his brother, but Joaquin Murrieta survived. And the incident was the final straw that launched him onto the path of revenge He hunted down his brother's killers and murdered them one by one While recruiting other mexican fighters to form a gang of vigilantes to protect the mexican community from the violence perpetrated by the americans One of his recruits was a mexican army veteran named three-fingered jack who lost two fingers in a firefight during the mexican-american war together They targeted american miners rounding them up like cattle before murdering them and plundering their gold. Word soon got out that Murrieta's gang were pillaging American miners and giving the loot to the Mexican families, and Joaquin Murrieta quickly became a local legend. His bandits became so feared that the government finally put a bounty on Murrieta's head. He was later killed in a gunfight between his gang and a group of California rangers led by military veteran Harry Love. Nevertheless, Murrieta's Robin Hood reputation lived on. His life story was picked up by pulp writer Johnson McCulley, who introduced the American public to the character Zorro, which was loosely based off Joaquin Murrieta. McCulley's first Zorro book, The Curse of Capistrano, was widely successful and helped to solidify Murrieta's tale of revenge. Wow, I'm actually quite embarrassed to say that I've never seen the film Zorro, but I assume a lot of you have. It's obviously a very famous film. I need to go and watch it now. That is insane. I mean, seriously, these guys are so brave. That is actually incredible. You've seen your wife had terrible things done to you. You've been lynched and survived, and yet you don't care. You're just like, screw it. I'm going to go around and kill all these geezers. Incredible scenes. Next up. Marvin Heemeyer and his Killdozer. Now for this one, guys, I'm going to have to show you a picture because this is actually insane. So investigators inspect this fortified bulldozer driven by Marvin Heemeyer where it came to rest after his revenge rampage through town. That's a bit of context. Here we go. Marvin Heemeyer was a small welding shop owner in Granby, Colorado, who built a makeshift bulldozer tank in 2004 and plowed through the small town causing $7 million worth of damage. The reason? 
a zoning dispute between Himea, the city's zoning commission, and a concrete company that wanted to build a plant on his land. In order to build their new facility, the concrete company had purchased a piece of land from Himea where his own shop was also located. When the city's zoning commission approved the land for construction, Himea argued that the construction blocked him from getting into his shop. At first, Himea took the rational course of action and petitioned the commission to prevent the rezoning. But after multiple rejections, as well as multiple fines for various civil violations, Himea decided to take matters into his own hands. For more than a year, he toiled away in his shopyard, building his killdozer. That's the thing I showed you guys before. A customized Komatsu D355A bulldozer outfitted with thick steel plate armor and a layer of concrete in between, and three-inch bulletproof plastic to protect the cameras he needed to navigate the vehicle. His killdozer was also armed with three makeshift gun ports, housing a .50 caliber rifle, a .308 semi-automatic, and a .22 long rifle. On June the 4th, 2004, Himea sealed himself into the killdozer's cockpit and drove his machine into town. He plowed through the concrete plant next to his shop, then made his way towards City Hall, wrecking a newspaper office, the former mayor's home, a hardware store, and other properties. Once his killdozer was on the loose, the town put out an alert to its residents to warn them to stay away from Himea's rampage. After two hours and seven minutes, Himea had bulldozed every business or home that had some connection to his case against the zoning committee. The destruction he caused amounted to $7 million in damages. The havoc was so great, the Colorado governor considered authorizing the National Guard to attack Himea in his killdozer with Apache helicopters and an anti-tank missile. But before they got the green lights, Himea's rampage ended when he tried to plow through the Gamble's hardware store. Now, the store had a small basement that ensnared one of the treads on the vehicle. Unable to free the machine, Himea's rampage was over. He pulled out a handgun and killed himself with a single shot to the head. Later, investigators found two lists inside the cab of the bulldozer tank. One was a list of the 13 properties he may have destroyed, while another list contained several names, including the town's mayor and some local business owners. They also found he may have had no way of getting out of the sealed cockpit on his own which suggests that he wasn't planning on making it out of his rampage alive. Now, nobody was actually hurt during his bulldozing spree except for Himea himself, but the memory of the incident still haunts the city's residents. It's not that I don't feel safe, but it's changed the way that you look at people, at stuff, the gamble store owner said. I don't know how to put it into words, really. Now, amazingly, guys, as you can see, there is actually a video of this. There was a news kind of, you know, piece done on it, and the footage is crazy i'm gonna react to it right now if you're not watching on youtube and you're watching on podcast platforms i'll try and explain what's happening look at the size of this bulldozer pretty much a massive bulldozer it's just you know going off the rails smashing into everything destroying stuff i mean look at it it's it's monumental the size of it it looks like a robot just so smashing into lampposts trees is it gonna go straight into that shop yep pretty much just taking it down it's all on fire like what is all the smoke coming out of it that's crazy and that's him there you go oh my god just taking down buildings people are trying to get out of there oh my god that's the thing you can't stop this because it's going off doing what it wants like what are you gonna do shoot it no it's bulletproof what can you do you can see the police there just like what are we doing here 
just watching this absolute destruction is this massive looks like a it honestly looks like a house it's just destroying things it's crazy i mean, just look at it look at it it's destroy. and then finally is that where it stopped yeah okay so this is where i guess finally it was caught and then that was that but honestly look at the destruction it's caught. that's a big old factory building it's just like it's just gone just take out the wall insane insane hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today and now for our fourth real revenge story the execution of Nazis by American soldiers at Dachau concentration camp. The revenge story of Dachau, the first regular concentration camp built by the Nazis to enslave, torture, and murder Jews, is reminiscent of Quentin Tarantino's fictional Nazi hunter gang epic, Inglorious Idiots, only even more grisly. Between 1933 and 1945, there were over 67,000 registered prisoners, in addition to others who were unregistered held at the main Dachau concentration camp and its subcamps. When American soldiers descended on Dachau and liberated the camp on April 29, 1945, the horrors perpetrated by the Nazis were ghastly. Mounds of corpses littered the camp's grounds, while the bodies of others rotted away in stacks piled up in the railway wagons nearby. The sudden and extreme horror of Dachau triggered something in the newly arrived Allied troops, who threw the formalities of surrender out the window. According to an account by survivor Abraham Sachar, the execution was swift. Some of the Nazis were rounded up and summarily executed along with the guard dogs. Two of the most notorious prison guards had been stripped naked before the Americans arrived to prevent them from slipping away unnoticed. They too were cut down. The execution of the Nazi guards was a direct violation of the Geneva Convention, and so an inquiry was opened once word spread about the executions conducted by American soldiers at Dachau. In his book, Dachau, the Hour of the Avenger, medical officer Colonel Howard A. Buchner recounted the deliberate killing of 520 prisoners of war by American soldiers and claimed that 19 American soldiers were present or involved in the incidents. This is where accounts of the event from different sources begin to contradict one another. While Buchner had described the execution of more than 500 Nazis, General Felix Sparks wrote that the total number of German guards killed at Dachau during that day most certainly didn't exceed 50, with 30 probably being a more accurate figure. Nevertheless, accounts of the Dachau massacre also spoke of acts of revenge against the Nazi guards by the liberated prisoners themselves. I knew men in camp who had sworn by everything that was holy to them that if they ever got out, they would kill every German in sight, said Jack Goldman, who was among the liberated prisoners at Dachau. They had to watch their wives mutilated. They had to watch their babies tossed in the air and shot. One prisoner, Walenty Lenachik, said that at the moment of liberation, prisoners were consumed by the desire for revenge against their captors. They captured some SS men and knocked them down, and nobody could see whether they were stomped or what, but they were killed. We were, all these years, animals to them, 
And that was our birthday. While the unsanctioned killing of the Nazis at Dachau went against protocol, the swift and brutal vengeance visited on the prison guard is viewed by many as the justifiable comeuppance for their atrocities. All right, listen, you lot, put yourself in the position of these American soldiers. What is your reaction going to be when you come across this camp and liberate it? Answer me completely genuinely, right? It's 1945. War's about to end, pretty much has ended. You come across this camp and you know exactly what's happening there. What is your reaction going to be to those Nazi guards that have done such horrible things to innocent people? Answer seriously. Think about it. I think I probably do the same i'm not even that ashamed to say that i honestly stories of throwing babies up in the air and shooting them are you mad i I would shoot all of them without a second without a second thought anyway guys that is going to do it for this video i really hope you have enjoyed it if you do like these real historical revenge stories and you want to see another one this one is actually pretty crazy it's quite similar to the four i've just looked at but um yeah i wanted to bring you guys some more real revenge stories stuff that actually happened and you know is factual and there's evidence to support the story like all those four stories had Uh, For those of you who don't know, I studied history at uni, so those stories are pretty cool for me to have a look at. If you want more, drop a like, comment that you do want to see more stories like this, and subscribe so you never miss one of my daily videos. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.